Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, this is the Grace for the City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and biblical strategies so that you can get out there and get some stuff done for your king. We're opening up the Bible. We're finding out the heart, the will, etc. of the Father. We're pulling out those strategies and plans, and it's all so you can get out there, friend. It's, it, it is helping you. And I know if you're, if you're like me, and I know you are, then we don't want to be off to the left or to the right. We want to be right in the middle. Come on, somebody. We want to be right in the middle of what God is doing. And so we, um, that's, that's our endeavor. That's our mission here at Grace for This City podcast. And uh, let us know how, how we're doing. Come on, if we've encouraged you or strengthened you in some way, send us that word. Let us know. We, we, we want to celebrate uh, what God has done. We, we love reading uh, those testimonies. We are really encouraged when people write to us and say, hey, listen to you, appreciate what you're saying. And yeah, I'm getting some strategies and getting out there. Hallelujah. Let's go, let's go turn these cities upside down, friend. All right, let's get into the Bible today, and I want to talk about um, I want to talk about the fear of the Lord. And uh, wow, my goodness, that's one of those things that um, you know maybe should be talked about more. I don't know. I'm not judging anybody, but today we are going to talk about it because you know what? It was on my heart. And uh, I usually try and go with whatever the Lord puts on my heart because, hello, we are a spirit. We're not a body. And on the inside, from the inner man, that born-again inner man, that's one with the Holy Ghost. We can trust that unction. And for some reason, out of the spirit, we need to talk about this today. And you know what? I don't care who you are. You've been in a ministry forever. Once we start to diverge off of this, once we start treating God and his things and his ministry and his people and the way that he has designed, orchestrated, laid it out. If we start treating that stuff as common, we're going to get in trouble, friends. Uh, I don't know how many times I've been in trouble. I've been in trouble more times than I care to admit because sometimes that begins to slip or we begin to drift and we don't keep uh, certain things uh, in a priority or we don't keep certain things as holy or maybe we begin to uh, justify our lack of consecration or dedication, or sanctification, or purity in a particular area. Um, listen, there's no temptation that isn't common. So at some point in time, everybody's going to be faced with these temptations, but we need to recognize them for what they are and their strategies against what the Lord is doing, and we need to reject them and get back over here in the right place. And so let's let's jump into this. And uh, again, you know, when we talk about and, uh, and let me say this, I am all for, hallelujah, I am all for the favor of God, the blessings of God, increase, lands, buildings, vehicles, all that stuff, and we're getting it, hallelujah, and we've been getting it, we've been moving in supernatural blessing, hallelujah, and more's coming, but we can have all that kind of stuff, we can have the fellowships, good sermons, great times, we can have celebrations, we can possess things, wealth, properties, we can have places to go and see, uh, we, we can have places that we can uh, go be and live in. 
Uh, you can be known by men, famous in your own right. But listen, there is one thing to have, to be in possession of, that really is the difference maker. Look at Exodus chapter 33, verse 15. And you, this is a powerful story. Then he said to him, this is Moses, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. He's saying, what's going to distinguish us? What's going to separate us? Is it the wealth? Is it the stuff? Is it the fame? Listen, just because somebody's famous doesn't mean they're any different than anybody else. Media and all that kind of stuff, media and marketing, you know, they they have a really good way of dressing things up. You ever watch those, like, um, you can go on YouTube. I'm I'm not thinking exactly right now how how to search for it, but they they have these shows that show the behind the scenes of how they set up, like, um, the commercials for, like, McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell or something. You know, that's not even real food. You know, it's like fake food. They, they like, add glue and, like, marshmallow cream and stuff, you know, to make it look like mayonnaise. And, and you know, I mean, it's not even real cheese. It's not even – none of it's real. And they use these fake substances, and they add it to this, and then they photograph – you know, they photograph it and, 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 and film it in such a way that it just – it looks real, and it looks amazingly perfect, but you can't even eat it. See, that's the problem with the wrong kind of marketing, the wrong kind of branding, the wrong kind of uh, self-promotion is you can tend to work to make something look like something that is not real. And you know what? I don't have it figured out, uh, but I've chosen probably to err on the side of the lack of marketing, the lack of defining our brand, the lack of these types of concepts here because I didn't want to get over into that whole world of trying to make something look like something that we can't reproduce in person. You know, you see that burger, you know, you know, that they film in that commercial. And then when you go to the actual restaurant, especially now, it just seems like everything's sloppy. You go to the, you go to the actual restaurant and you order that same burger and it's all flat and compact. And it's like, dude, the lettuce isn't hanging out. That tomato is not that thick. That beef, that beef patty is not near like that. You know, the, you know there is not the perfect amount of the sauces and whatnot. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, when they showed the ad, you know, the burger, you know, it's like, oh, it's huge. When you go there, it's like, you know, it's like an inch thick or a half inch thick. You know, it's all flat because somebody made it that didn't even care with ingredients that don't even look like what they presented. And uh, see, you understand what I'm saying here? And so he's saying, what's going to distinguish us? Is it the stuff? Uh, you know, is it something external? I mean, is it just fame? You know, just because somebody's famous doesn't mean they're tried, true, and tested. Just, just because there's some minister, say, that has the wherewithal to buy uh, uh, advertising space, to purchase marketing space, to have the staff that knows how to work the algorithms on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, it doesn't mean that, they, that they're that they actually being readily used of the Lord. It doesn't mean 
Fame doesn't equally equate with anointing. Let me say it like, 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 like that. And in fact, one of the saddest things there is, is to be a minister that is well-known, but has no anointing. Oh man, like, you know, if you had to choose, choose the anointing. If you had to choose being known on TikTok versus the anointing, I would choose the anointing. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he's saying here, Father, we would rather stay where we are if that means that we have you than go on into other things at the expense of not having your presence with us. Listen, friends, that's the fear of the Lord right there. He says, we don't even want the promised land if you, O Lord, will not go into it with us. The Lord said he would send his angel in his place to lead them and go before them, but Moses said, no, that's not good enough. I mean, as amazing as that is, hallelujah. Think about that. The Lord said, well, hey, I'm not going to go, but I'm going to send one of these angelic hosts and he can go. And Moses said, no, no, no. Uh, Yeah, you know, that's awesome. I mean, that we would have an angel, but we want you. We don't want just an angel. We want you. Hallelujah. Some some people, uh, they've got lots of angels, but they don't have the Lord. (laughs) I don't know about them angels, though. At some point, I'd be a little concerned if the presence of the Lord is, is never near. I'd be concerned about these angels. They might be angels who have transformed into light. I do a little testy, testy, test the spirits, right? Consider the implications here. You can have a lot of things. You can even do church and not even have the presence of the Lord with you, on you. It can be completely absent from your activities and the gatherings. You can even be enjoying the quote unquote gifts and even talking about and using the name and he not even be there. Moses said, how will it be known that we have found grace in your sight except your presence be with us? What will distinguish us from all others? What will mark us, separate us, cause us to stand out? He says, we must have your presence. Simply rehearsing the promises even is not enough to set us apart from the world. Very important here. We must be watchful and diligent to not confuse the gifts and callings, the endowments, the enablements as singular signs of his presence. This, this gets a lot of people messed up here. What I'm trying to say is, is you know, uh, men and women have been given gifts. And uh, he says in the Bible that these gifts are without repentance. The gifts and callings are without Repentance, meaning somebody can have a gift and they can function for a time, actually. I don't know how long, but they can function for a time and demonstrate the gift and people be mm, blessed, uh, impacted even, by the demonstration of that gift. But yet the person can have their heart hard or stout against the Lord. They can be doing things behind the scenes. Now, it's going to catch up with them, but that's what I'm talking about. For a time, somebody can demonstrate the gifts. They can move in the gifts and calling, and people look upon the gifts and callings with awe and be like, oh, this minister, oh, aren't they awesome? But behind the scenes, this person is sowing seeds towards towards destruction. And if they don't make corrections, uh, it could be the end of their ministry. Now, that may go on for a time. Listen, God is long-suffering. And, man, praise God. Like, you know, I've, I've thought about this because I've worked with some 
ministers um, where this was going on. And once I became aware of what was going on behind the scenes, I'm thinking of one now where I confronted this uh, minister on some things going on in their life, and uh, they totally rejected counsel. But listen, the gift was still working. In in fact, it took me a minute to actually catch up on what was going on because I was also seeing the demonstration and the outworking of that gift, not being uh, necessarily privy to personal things in this minister's life. But I was seeing this gift functioning, and just on, on, on the service, everything seemed right. But once you kind of began to get an understanding of some, some things that just weren't right in their personal life, that's when the accountability, or when I brought up the accountability. Now, listen, they can function for a time. And th- this, is, this is what's so interesting. I'm going to say it's, uh, it's dangerous, but people are still blessed. And God's working on multiple levels, multiple levels. But the idea is that God's not going to continue to allow that to go on indefinitely because, number one, he cares about the, the, the individual who is really setting themselves up for failure, setting the ministry up to blaspheme God, and then ultimately they're setting themselves up to do damage to the people. Now, God is weighing all that. God, you know, in in his ability and his perspective, it's greater than ours. He's weighing all of that. So I don't claim to to know. Uh, you you don't know, I don't know. No one ultimately knows. Uh, what is the ultimate answer or decision that needs to be made? God's working and we're following that unction and leading, et cetera. And there's other people involved. You know, there's accountability. This is why accountability is so paramount. But people can still be ministered to uh, because there is a definite and true gift in operation. I heard a minister say this one time, though, that if there is something in the life of a minister that... um, he refuses to get right. Listen, no one's perfect. Um, everybody's working on something. God is tweaking. He's adjusting. We're growing. Uh, we're recognizing things. We're coming to uh, more light. No minister's perfect, but this is what I'm saying. Once somebody's come to the understanding of something and they don't soften their heart, they don't lay it down before the Lord, like get before the Lord like abandon themselves to the Lord, cry out for help, assistance. I'm talking about somebody who has come to the knowledge of something and has rejected the Lord in it. I'm saying that that starts the countdown to the demise. You're going to be removed at some point. But people can still be ministered to irregardless of certain things going on in people's lives. Uh, But God will get to a point where he will begin to protect the people Okay, he'll 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 guard the hearts of the people because this is where I was trying to go. I, I heard this minister say this that you you can present the gift, eat on a nice platter, you know, on a uh, you know on a you know like a say a gold platter or a silver platter, some nice dinnerware that's reserved, right? That's clean, pure. Uh, it, it's 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 um. What's the word here? It's um, it's worth something. It's valuable, like a gold platter, okay? Let's just use that. Or you can serve the gift on a trash can lid. The trash can lid would represent the the person's life is 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 dirty. They've got things going on in their life that can, if they're not watchful, 
it can begin to bleed into the ministry. That's like the difference between serving up the gift, serving up the calling on a trash can lid or serving it up on a gold platter. Listen, if you keep your life pure, every, everybody, 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 it, we're, we're becoming that bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And we're not judging anybody, but, but because a lot of it has to do with the heart. Some people, their heart is hard towards those things. They become very sloppy. They have become calloused. Um, they don't see anything wrong with what they're doing. But in the eyes of the Lord, is it serving the people on a trash can lid or on a sil- silver or gold platter? We just have to stay before the Lord and say, you know, cleanse me, God. What, you know, I, you know, my hands need to be clean. My lips need to be clean. My heart needs to be pure. My thoughts need to be pure. This is the attitude that we need to have before him. All this has to do with the fear of the Lord. So again, there are displays of supernatural origin that are not always of God. Number one, we got to test the spirits. It is possible for a minister or ministries to get over into witchcraft and not even realize that they have switched over. You know, when there's a lot of, um, when there's competition, when there's strife, when there's complaining, when there's murmuring, accusation, when, when there's judgment, when they start, you know, uh, making these definitive statements about how right they are and how wrong someone else is. Listen, I think that's a fine line. Like, there is a place where that's appropriate, where it's obvious that there is some, some things going on. But I think one of the strategies of the enemy is to get us to enter and engage in like witchcraft against one another, and we don't even realize it. We start trying to enforce or control or dominate. You're going to get over into witchcraft. In fact, there are ministries that have very strong paradigms about leadership. And I'm just saying we have to be watchful, though, that does that doesn't get over into a very heavy-handed type of paradigm where there's a lot of control. And if you get over into trying dominating the will of people, you're going to get over into witchcraft. And we've got to be watchful of those things. So we need to test the spirits. Okay, there are gifts given un, unto men that are not always submitted to the Lord. And therefore, he is not in their working. Let me give you one here. Balaam, for one example, represents the attempted using of God's gift as a way of personal gain, prostituting himself and the gift, the Bible says, for wages of unrighteousness. That's in 2 Peter 2, 15. Now, we just got to be watchful. Let me talk about myself here for a second. I think that I have got into that accidentally. And this is why, like earlier, I was saying, and maybe it was in the uh, opening, I'm not sure now. I was talking about how the Lord dealt with me. And I probably went over here on the side of caution. Okay, so, you know, if I was, done, if I was going to err, I chose to err over here where I did not self-promote. Uh, I didn't promote at all. I'm not good at marketing and I'm not good at branding. And I chose that path kind of intentionally. Now, maybe I swung the pendulum a little bit too far one direction. 
Oh, and that's possible. But I'm saying I would have rather have gone that way than go way over here on the other side where we begin to prostitute the gift for gain or begin to use certain things that are endowments in our ministry as a way for personal gain or notoriety. Uh, in our culture right right now, boy, it. I mean, I was going to say it's a fine line. I don't know if it's a fine line. I, 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 I think it's a very defined line that you can get over here and you, like there are certain things, certain metrics that the algorithms, especially on social media, like there are famous people on social media that are only famous because they know how to work the algorithms and they have the revenue in order to support working those algorithms. It, they're not necessarily famous because God has exalted their voice. They're famous because Facebook has exalted their voice for whatever reason. And when you're working with companies like this, they have their own defined priorities behind the scenes. Like they have reasons for helping you because it helps them. You understand? And so just because somebody is known doesn't mean they're known by the Lord. Just because somebody's voice is elevated and amplified doesn't mean the Lord's done it. Now you could have a side-by-side -side comparison say, and have somebody that truly is being used of the Lord in a mighty way. And they be known just being known. Is it bad? What I'm talking about is how did you get there? And what is the motive behind that? I chose to choose a way where I avoided a lot of that. I'm not saying it's right, but I chose to be over here if I was going to err, I'd rather err here than on this side. And it's because of this here, because God has given us ability. There is graces that operate in our ministry. And I wanted to make sure that we don't prostitute that. I don't prostitute myself. I'm not for sale. I am not for sale. The ministry is not for sale. The gifts and callings are not for sale. Listen, people got rebuked over that. Remember that? People wanted to buy. They want to purchase. Listen, these aren't for sale. And they're not to be used for the world's purposes. They're used for the Lord's purposes. Again, we got to watch out for this uh, because in our culture today, there's a lot of temptation. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for you to go maybe a step or two in a direction you don't need to go. I consider, just as a practice here, that these are things we have to weigh in light of the concept of the fear of the Lord. Listen, the Lord will build the house. The Lord will exalt you. Uh, in due time, you'll reap if you faint not. If you're faithful, he'll promote you. If you do what you're told to do, he's watching. You know, we um, uh, it's not up to man to promote us. It's not up to man to exalt us. Man tries to do that. The devil tries to do that. He'll promote you, but you got to sell your soul. God, if we'll humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, he will lift us up. And so we submit all this to him. And we just have to check in, check in, check in, check in, check in. We have to evaluate, pray, seek his face, ask him, ask him. I, I just ask him stuff. Maybe I, in this area, I probably haven't asked him as often as I should again, uh, because I chose to err over here. Now, listen, I don't need to keep in a place of error, I, I need to have a right balance. But I'm saying that uh, the temptations are strong. Notice what it says here about 
Balaam, the Bible went on to say in verse 17 of Second Peter chapter 2, it went on to say of Balaam and others of this type. Okay, Balaam uh, was an example, but there's others that have gifts and callings. They have ministries. They have, I mean, I'm making this up. I'm, this is not a word of the Lord, but it's, it's probable that they have television shows. It's probable that they may be on, you know, one of your favorite Christian television stations. They have podcasts. They have radio programs. Uh, they have written books. Um, they're on Amazon's bestseller list. Uh, you know, I mean, it is probable that they have worked the system very well. Remember in 2 Timothy chapter 3, there are gullible people that they enter into these people's lives and take advantage of the ignorance of people. It's a real thing. There's big money in that. There's a lot of fame in that. There are people, I mean, I'm surprised, uh, but it's part of the algorithms. There are people that have massive influence, daily influence in people's lives that are like this right here. It goes on to say of Balaam and these others that they are wells without water. You got to un understand the implications of that, a well without water. So you have this appearance that you've got something that will refresh people, but ultimately when they get there, there's nothing there. Do you see the deception in that? This is why we don't want to build ourselves up to be something that we can't produce. It would be better to just be honest. Um, remember that verse, uh, where's it at? It's in Romans. Uh, it says not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. Listen, you don't need to self-debase in the sense of uh, beating yourself up, running yourself down. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Don't you dare do that. We, we need to think highly of ourselves. The Bible doesn't say don't think highly of yourself, but it says don't think more highly than you ought. Don't try and create this image of yourself or your ministry. Don't inflate the numbers. Don't exaggerate the numbers. Don't inflate what you're capable of. Don't exaggerate the gift and the calling. Don't lie against the truth, James says. That, see, selfish ambition self-seeking will cause you to lie against the truth. Now, you may start out as a little white lie. You may start out as a little exaggeration. But if, but if you are trying to exalt yourself, yourself, or if you allow someone else to exalt you and they've got wrong motives, you're going to start entering into the realm of, of lying, exaggerating, and it's all going to be based on self-promotion, uh, ambition. Listen, bridle that ambition. <laughs> Rain that pony in. Listen, you don't want ambition to run away with you. It's got to be bridled. There is an ambition that can be pure, but, but, but most people have this idea of dog eat dog. Let's climb the ladder and step on people, stomp on people. doesn't matter whose feelings get hurt along the way. It, it doesn't matter who you've used. Listen, I, I have experiences firsthand. And it's very painful, but, you know, we forgive and move on. But where we've partnered with somebody, partnered with a ministry, uh, was one of the largest financial contributors of that ministry, believed in the ministry, poured into that particular ministry that I'm thinking of, and gave, gave things, gave time, 
we gave of our services, we gave of our resources, only to have suddenly all that cut out mean nothing. Listen, people have given so much to partner with ministries. There's an obligation, and it's not just about money. You know, if you just see people as nickels and noses, uh, wow, friend, listen, you need the fear of the Lord. Uh, these are sheep, metaphorically speaking, that God has given into our stewardship to tend, to watch over, to protect, to even put our lives on the line for the sake of the congregation in terms of if there's a wolf, if there's a lion or a bear, right? What about a nation like David, right? Uh, a giant, to just see people as nickels, nickels and noses and just as like stepping stones on your quest to develop the ministry is dangerous. I mean, I've been in that place to where suddenly all the gifts, the time, the belief, the prayers, the partnership, suddenly when something disagreed, it meant absolutely nothing. I mean, we were cut out just like we were nothing but yesterday's piece of trash. If that's the way that the ministry, you know, functions, I'm saying there's a serious lack of the fear of the Lord in that kind of environment. And I'm saying that quickly, if you don't get that taken care of, you'll become a well without water. I don't want to be a well without water. I don't want to have a billboard that says, come here and drink. And then when people come, there's no, there's nothing to drink or it's bitter water. Remember when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they came upon this water and it was bitter and sour, poisonous. Listen, if we don't keep the behind the scenes pure, in effect, what we're doing is we're marketing. And even if that market reach isn't very far, you're still marketing that you've got something to present to people, but what are they getting when they get there? Are they becoming poisoned themselves? No, we want pure water. We want to actually be a well that when somebody peers over, like if it's an old, you know, if we're going old school here, uh, you know, if they peer over the, the, uh, the rock opening and look down in there, there's fresh water. You know, I have a well on my property. Of course, it's all modern, you know. I mean, it's 700 feet deep, and they've got, you know, piping that goes all the way down, and we have pumps in that. You know, it's all, you know, it's, it's electric, but we also have this um, manual spigot thing I don't know what it's called, but, you know, it's like a little handle and you lift up on it. And, you know, when you lift up on that and that fresh, cold water comes out of there from a deep well, you know, deep wells, it's pure water because, you know, the the um, top waters and the stuff in the soils, whatever contaminants can't leak down. You know, by the time that water is 700 and something feet deep, it's been purified over and over and over. It's like drawing water from a fresh, deep well. It's cold. Oh, it's so refreshing. Hallelujah. Well, that's a picture of what we need to be. If, if we're going to say we have something, if we're going to say we, we're, we're, we're presenting something, we're offering something, we've been gifted and graced, I'm telling you, when people come up to it, they need to be refreshed. It needs to be pure water. Hallelujah. Think about David in Psalm 27, verse 4. He said, One thing I have asked of the Lord, and that will I seek and inquire for, and insistently require, oh, hallelujah, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord or in his presence all the days of my life to behold and gaze upon the beauty, 
the attractiveness and the de- delightful loveliness of the Lord and to meditate, consider, and inquire in his temple. Oh, hallelujah for David. Thank you, David. Look at this, James 4, 8. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. It says, come close to God and he will come close to you. Recognize that you are sinners and get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you have been disloyal, wearing or wavering, and have had divided interests and purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. Some people are adverse to these types of topics. Like if they read read that verse and say, no, 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 I'm born again. My hands are, are clean. Well, I give, I, I mean, I, and, and I agree with the premise that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things have become new. But then you also have to balance that with he's bringing us into that bride that is uh, pure, clean, without spot and without wrinkle, meaning there's kind of a progression here. And I think it's prudent and appropriate to recognize that sometimes, even though he has delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness, sometimes we go to the border and stick our hands in that under in that other kingdom's garbage. And when that happens, we get dirt on us. Sometimes because we maybe allow the old man to come back up and live for a day, we get in the things that we didn't that we've been delivered from. And there's forgiveness. Oh, totally. And these aren't necessarily salvation issues. People want to argue that. In fact, they're arguing. It's a ridiculous argument, by the way. But people are arguing right now uh, over, you know, little sins causing you to lose your salvation. No, the Bible's clear on that. But, but, but because they're so over here that I'm born again, they think that you can never get dirty by doing something you don't need to be doing. So there's some confusion there. I'm saying that the strategy is to get this new creation, this born-again being who's seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. The temptation is to step down out of that place of holiness because when you were born again, you were a new type of holiness that had never existed. But to get that person to step down out of that place and go wallow in something filthy, that, my friends, happens if you're not watchful and this is what he's talking about here if you do that you've got to repent of that if if you go jump in the mud and you get your spotless clean robes dirty you're you're gonna have to go get that off it's possible that you 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 know uh there's a farmer friend of mine and he says his dad told him this and so he, he passes this wisdom and counsel on to me he said, if you get too close to the manure spreader, you're going to get some on you. <laughs> Friends, that is words of wisdom. Listen, you've been redeemed out of that kingdom, but if you get too close to that kingdom and you're not watchful, if you get too close to the manure that they live in, you're going to get some on you. If you go and engage in the activities that aren't fitting for us to even talk about, you're going to get some of that garbage on you. I'm not saying it's in you, but I'm saying it got on you. And you got to get that clean. This is what he's talking about here. Sometimes you need to be honest that you've went and you've touched some stuff that you didn't need to. You've went and you've fellowshiped with people you didn't need to. You said some things 
that did not need to come out of your mouth. Remember what James said? He said, blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. He said, this ought not be so. What do you do? You have to recognize that you need purification, that you've engaged in something dirty and you need cleansing from it. I'm not saying that it's a salvation issue, but some people who think it's a salvation issue, they've got their fingers in their ears going, no, 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 no. I don't ever sin. I don't ever get dirty. I don't ever, I don't ever, I don't ever. Listen, you need to get your theology divided correctly, friends. James says right here, God wants to draw close to you, but he's going to say, I mean, like my own kids, we have a farm, they have chores. They go out and they do the chores. They're in the pens. You know, they're feeding the animals. They're stepping on animal, you know, stuff. Uh, they're, they're, it's dirty. It's dirty. And when they come in from doing chores, they want to run up and give me a hug. I say, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, man, I, man, I, I really want to draw close to you. I want to love on you right now, but you need to go wash your hands, man. You've been touching some crazy stuff. You know, you are, are you wearing your, your farm boots in the house? Get outside and get them boots off. It's not that I'm rejecting my child. It's just, I don't want the filth come on in the house. This is what the Lord is saying. Listen, if you're born again, you got to be watchful, man. If you're out there doing things you don't need to be doing, you may be picking up stuff that God's saying, look, you're not bringing that up here close, close to me. And he's going to help us and remind us, listen, I've redeemed you from that. Don't go back into slavery again. You've, uh, Ephesians says, put on Christ, uh, like putting on a nice, fr- uh, clean, fresh shirt. You take off the old man. Some born again people, for whatever reason, it's seduction. It's a strategy of seduction, of shame, but they're going too close to things they've been delivered from, and they're getting some of that garbage on them. Listen, the Lord Jesus is going to counsel you. He's going to minister to you. He said, no, 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 get, get, get clean, get purified, and don't go near that garbage again. Hallelujah. This is what he's saying here. And if you're a wavering individual, the Bible says you have divided interests. He said, purify your heart, get away, get out of, recognize this is spiritual adultery. That's strong language, friends. That's in the Amplified Classic. But look at this in James 4, 4, verse 4. He says, you are like unfaithful wives and husbands, having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. I don't know how clear, how more clear you could be than this statement here. There's others that are very clear that it's possible to be born again and you do things uh, and engage in things that will sever that the sanctity of your oneness with him. By the way, that's what Jesus, by the way, in Matthew, Jesus said, you heard that you could divorce for any reason. Jesus said, you can only divorce if the sanctity of oneness has been willfully violated. This is the idea in this verse here. God's saying, listen, I'm not, I am protect, God's saying, I'm protecting our relationship. I am working to protect and guard the sanctity of our oneness. By the way, uh, if you're born again, you're one with him. But he's saying you, though, if you are engaging in these things, if you're going back to your old lover, how twisted and perverted that is, 
if you're going back to that and you're getting your hands dirty and you're allowing your heart to be divided, he calls them, he calls that activity adultery. He's saying like an unfaithful wife or an unfaithful husband having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. To come close to God and for him to draw close to you, he must discern that your heart is for him only. You can't be a two-timer, friend. You can't have a side chick or a sugar daddy. God knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. And really, you know, too. What? You go, what? What? I, I, what? Did I do that? Did I do that? How did I get in this bed? How did I get in this bed? <laughs> With your illicit lover. How, how did I wind up in this bed? How did I get this manure on my hands? How, how, I don't, how, where did I get this filth on my feet? Where, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, friend, God, God knows he's reading you. You know, you know. You know, and he knows. What is this? We're talking about the fear of the Lord, friend. I'm telling you, there are, there, there's, there's a message out here. There is a message. There is a message. And I'm telling you, it's a dangerous message because it's saying God doesn't care about your illicit love affair. Listen, God is not, he, God is monogamous. <laughs> Jesus help us. God is not into polyam uh, polyamory. That, I mean, that's a big thing going on. Uh, I just read an article the other day that in a major, 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 I'm not going to say any names, but in a major mainline denomination, they've brought it up for review on how they're going to communicate on polyamory within their denomination. And they've basically... Uh, for lack of a better way of just getting to the point, they're going to embrace it is what I'm saying. They're going to embrace polyamory. L listen, it, the, if, if you have no fear of God, then getting a little bit dirty is nothing. You know, like Balaam, being a well without water, hey, at least we're a well. I mean, if that's your standard, then I guess you're meeting your goals. But if you don't care about having soiled hands, if you don't care about being a wavering individual, if you believe that it's okay to two-time on God, to have a little side chick, right, to have a little sugar daddy, if you think it's okay that you your heart would be divided with your other love interests and that God would not be the one and only, wow, friends, you are an enemy of God. And so if you're an enemy of God, we would say this, you have no fear. You have no fear of him at all. And listen, that is a dangerous place to be. Wow, that is dangerous. I mean, wow, how dangerous that is. Listen, God makes it very clear. He will resist people. I mean, how many, how many verses support that? What I'm saying is there's a message out here you need to be very watchful of because it does not prioritize the fear of the Lord. You know, there's a scripture in the New Testament that he says, hey, look, you know what? This, this, you know, this, you know, sticks and stones, guns, 
whatever. There are ways to kill the body. He said, only God can cast your soul into hell. There is a reverential fear. We're not talking about torment or terror, but a reverential fear that will cause you to put your face as deep in the in the floor. I mean, can you get any lower than press down flat against the floor saying, oh God, if it wasn't for you. I mean, there is a perspective of mercy that he has granted that I think we've taken for granted. We have uh, despised it. What a price that was paid for you and I to be redeemed and to have such a sloppy, sloppy. Listen, I'm not perfect. Whoa, I am not perfect. And I'm not casting stones or judging anybody right now. I'm judging myself, just thanking God for his grace and mercy. But but listen, I use that. I'm not throwing stones. You know, when Jesus said, hey, you know, those of you who have never sinned, go ahead and throw the first stone. That I mean, what mercy and what truth, what truth was spoken there? Because we've all sinned. But notice what he told that woman. He said, do not sin anymore. In another place, he told another man, don't sin or a worse thing will come on you. There's a message out here right right now that totally discounts that you can have soiled hands or an undivided heart or that you could engage in sin that would bring great destruction upon you. It is a perversion of the gospel of grace. And the, my, my podcast is not to deal with that right now, but what I'm talking about is we won't have to worry about perverting that. Jude, look at Jude. In the book of Jude, he said there was a gospel once delivered to you. And he's saying people are perverting that. And they're twisting grace, and it is allowing lewdness, and lawlessness and immorality to enter in in the perversion. And he said he was he was warning us in the book of Jude about that. And I think it's going to get it's going to get ramped up more as we are in these last days and it's important that you and I understand that God is not for that kind of stuff. We need to keep commonality out of the equation, friends. You start treating God's things as common. That's when you're going to start getting into uh, trouble. You start thinking that he's just common. You know, he's you know, he's just another old bloke. He's just another buddy. Oh, God's my buddy, my buddy, my buddy. You know, my uh, my pastor, he told me one time, he said, Justin, don't ever call me buddy. And at first, I was like, okay, you know, um, all right. But then I realized the wisdom and the counsel that he had in that statement because he was saying, Justin, and I'm paraphrasing here, but, but the ultimate lesson was this. Once you start to treat something as common, you're going to get into trouble. You're going to get crosswise with it. And let me see if I can say it like this. You shut off the blessing from whatever you dishonor. And commonality is equated with dishonor. Something you honor, you hold as valuable. Valuable things are rare things. They're not just common. Once you begin to dishonor something, you, you cut off its ability to minister to you. And my pastor gave me a very powerful lesson. Don't ever call me buddy. 
And what he was telling me was, because you're going to shut off the anointing that's flowing from me to you. Once you just see me as just another dude, you're going to uh, cut off. It would be on my end. It's not that it's coming from his end, but it's because the way I reframed it, I revalued him. If I would have got over into familiarity, I would have devalued him in my eyes and in my heart, and that devaluing would cut off the flow. It would cut off the flow of anointing. It would cut off the flow of correction. It would cut off the flow of blessing. It would cut off the flow of insight and wisdom. It would cut off the flow of his gift and mantle in my life. Listen, God said that I've put gifts, I've given gifts to men. He gave gifts to the church. And there is a flow of anointing that comes through those giftings. And people can cut them off when they dishonor it or they get crosswise with it. Remember, this was the rebellion of Korah. Korah was like, I'm just as good as Moses. Any one of us could have been the leader. Why is Moses the leader? Well, because God gifted him to be the leader. And it's up to us to maintain, what is it? The fear of the Lord in these matters. God chose that. David recognized that when you know Saul got off, the Lord lifted the anointing off of Saul, but he was still, still king. And David recognized, listen, if I lift my hand against Saul, I lift my hand against the Lord. And he wasn't going to do that. And he maintained an appropriate fear of the Lord because the Lord set him in there. The Lord will remove him at the right time. And he maintained that honor. And I think that was part of the reason why David was the king he was because he had developed such a fear of the Lord in his life. His, his paradigm revolved around the fear of the Lord. And he made some major mistakes. And uh, again, he... Um, came around and recognized how powerful the Lord is and that the Lord doesn't play around with these types of things. And there were some consequences that came into his life because he got too familiar with the things of God. The reason why David got in trouble with Bathsheba is because he became too familiar with what the king was supposed to do. He stayed home when kings went off to war. He got too familiar with God's things, God's ways, And he thought he could choose to do his own thing. But it got him in the trouble, friend. Don't do that. Again, we talk about seeing God, seeing his signs, his wonders, his miracles. But who actually sees God? Remember, the Bible says this. Who sees God? It says the pure in heart will see God. Hallelujah. Friends, I think I'm going to bring the podcast to a close there. We may do a part two on, on this. I think that would be appropriate, wouldn't you? Hallelujah. Well, I pray you got something out of this. How, how do we reset? Well, find a place to get on your face before the Lord. Do you have to get on your face? I don't know, but it's a great place to start. I know there are times in my life when I needed to get as low as I possibly could. Now, I chose to do it physically. And that's to just to lay out flat with my face, my nose on the ground. I was getting as flat and as low as I humanly possibly could and cried out to the Lord. And I said, thank you, God, 
for cleansing me. That may be a good place to start, friends. I don't care who you are or what you're doing. Maybe your whole ministry needs to do a face plant. Maybe your entire operation just needs to get down on its face. Don't think. Don't be seduced into thinking you can remain friends with the world and remain friends with God at the same time. All right, friends, thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, if you need prayer in this area, reach out to us. You can send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv or call us 870-741-9099. But if you need help in this area, reach out to somebody. There's probably somebody close to you, somebody that would be confidential. I'm not saying blast this to everybody, but I'm saying you need to get before the Lord if you need to get before the Lord. Don't delay. Get it right today. Hallelujah. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to those who have partnered with us in prayer. That's my first request right there. Would you would you partner with us in, in prayer? Would you commit to praying for us? Oh, it would bless me so. And then there are others who have also financially contributed. All contributions are tax deductible, by the way. But if you would like to support the podcast financially in some way, several ways you can do that. You can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Or if you are in the, the United States, you can text to give 84321. That's 84321. Follow the prompts. Or you can mail a check PO Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. Oh, this has been a joy today, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed.